1: Welcome in, everybody. This is the Coast to Coast Football Podcast. Why is it Coast to Coast? I'm Scott Kennedy. I'm an Atlanta owl your host, along with co-host, Steve Kendall, who's in Seattle. So we are Coast to Coast with your football coverage. So it's bright and early in Seattle. We do this live every Friday at 9 a.m. For those of you who are NFL fans, NFL draft fans, this is your show. We also do shows all week long, 9 o'clock or 9.30 on Denver Broncos and Atlanta Falcons. So make sure you're following us on the Twix, at Scout out, at Scout Kennedy, at Nick Kendall MHH. Follow wherever you happen to be watching this or subscribe to it so you get that alert. And you can see which of these shows you might want to come into. And, you know, if you've got questions, we answer questions. even if, you know, if it's about... Off topic, but welcome in, everybody. Appreciate you being here. And Nick, how are you doing this morning, my friend?
2: I'm doing pretty well. Uh, Excited. I'm going to go off on one final uh, backpacking adventure this year, this weekend, uh, over somewhere in uh, central Washington. And that'll be a lot of fun. And yeah, excited for football. I mean, I'm still buzzing from the game last night. A lot of fun. And hoping my football teams have a better week this week uh, after a unbelievable and both my teams are the laughingstocks of both college and NFL right now. With Iowa only getting four first downs, and then uh, Denver giving up seventy points. So, ready to put that week uh, behind me from my football fandom.
1: Yeah, you sent me that graphic. So Nick went to uh, Nick went to Iowa. I went to Auburn, and they're last and second to last in in offense this year. It's like it's hard not to think that the revolve the world doesn't revolve around you when all this stuff keeps happening. <laughs> <laughs> how can you yeah. not say I'm I'm not a curse? I've even cursed Chelsea, who was a trophy winning machine, and now can't get a goal for nothing. So you know, go Blues. Um, but <laughs> it balances out. You know, my, my Braves look pretty good right now. So we'll we'll see how God. that we'll see how that goes. But we do go live uh, every Friday morning. Every morning we do this because we like to bring in you. We like to have your comments and have the interaction with the chat. If you are watching after the fact, leave a comment. Nick and I will come back and answer them. I'm pretty obsessive, especially on the YouTube. Facebook's a little more difficult to filter in and find the comments. But on YouTube, uh, ask anybody, like John Harrell. John Harrell coming in on YouTube. He says, good morning, guys. Happy Friday to you as well. Silas Draven, he says, good morning, everyone. Good morning to you. John Harrell has a Falcons question. He says that Troy Anderson might not be done for the season. They said initially it was shoulder pectoral, and then they went to pectoral. If it's a torn pec, he's done. So they said they got to go in and find all of the, you know, the, how, the extent of the damage, and they won't really know that until MRI slash they go in and try and repair it. So if it's a torn pectoral, he'll be out for the rest of the season. But uh, the, the, the IR is just for a game, so there's still hope. But when I heard pec, I thought the worst, which is probably most of the season, John. Um, Bobby Carter says, good morning everybody. Let's go Falcons. Good morning to you as well. Keith Robbins coming in on Facebook. Good morning. Winston's joining us. He's joining us on Facebook as well. And a lot of Falcons fans in the show, you know, we do Falcons Broncos every day, so they they like to watch us uh, uh, and talk Falcons Broncos and stuff with us. But one degree of separation from the Atlanta Falcons was a team that looked pretty damn good last night and they've looked good for the most part this season the Detroit Lions Mm -hmm. these guys are for real They, they didn't fluke their way into a victory week one against Kansas City and they just they the Falcons played them tight but their their offense was strangled Falcons defense is pretty darn good but they dominated that game in Green Bay like very few Detroit Lions teams have done in the past
2: I mean yeah what can you say they are Ben Johnson will be a head coach somewhere next year the offensive coordinator for the uh the Lions are, yeah, he's done doing a great job. Their offensive line is clicking and Jared Goff is distributing the football. The defense, I mean, a year ago now, they were one of the worst defenses in football. They turned it around down the stretch last year, but, you know, early season, they were horrible. And now they're getting after it. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson is playing great. I think that they are very happy that uh, Trevon Walker, who and it's still a little bit early to dunk on completely on, on that, because he's always going to be an athletic project. Uh, but he's playing really good football right now, changing the dynamic there. Their defensive line, I mean, Lee McNeil is stepping up. Uh, it's it's a good team overall, and they have as, not as good a shot as anybody. But after the Eagles and the 49ers, it really could be the Lions as the next best team in the NFC. I mean, the wins they've had have been
1: quality. And I, I would argue right now, at this moment, if they were to suit them up and play, the Lions are probably playing better football than the Eagles right now. The Eagles have been a little helter skelter, a little bit again. I, I wouldn't put the lines ahead of them just because it's a long season and, and we know, but they're playing better than the Eagles right now. They're playing about as well as anybody in the NFL. They're for real. They're 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 legit. they they uh and the thing that you I might not have expected, Nick, is the playmaking ability on the exterior with some of those guys. We know Amon Ross St. Brown was a good player. But here comes Josh Reynolds making diving catches. Here comes Laporta making you know basketball rebounds, twelve feet in the air in traffic. So they're getting they're getting play not from just their offensive backfield where they've invested a lot, but they've gotten. I don't want to say lucky because it's to it take some good stats. But you look at their rosters, you're like, okay, what third round pick, fourth round pick, whatever. There's no premium picks like the Lions used to do, drafting a wide receiver every first round in the, in the back in the day. Those guys are making plays. They're, mm-hmm. they're not just, okay, we're scheming him open. He's catching. I mean, they are making legitimate. I did not expect him to make that catch plays downfield. And it's it's really, they're going to be a really tough team to beat.
2: I mean, yeah, Amon Ra, St. Brown has been awesome uh, for them. Fourth round pick out of USC. Uh, can do a little bit of everything for that unit. They're just a well-balanced team. And uh, yeah, shout out to Sam Laporta. Um, I think setting records as far as early a uh, career receiving yards for a tight end. Uh, so University of Iowa product there, the only probably the only good thing from that Iowa offense over the last couple seasons, but uh, they're playing great. I guess for me, the thing I'm most impressed about is just how much the defense has turned around because they were horrible last year, Scott, early on. Uh, I mean, we saw it with them and they've been investing in it, but uh, they've really turned around on that side of the ball. They've been getting after it. And uh, yeah, they, they look like a real contender uh, out there. So super impressed with them. And I don't know if we're not to be fooled by him by any means, but Jared Goff is a pretty darn competent quarterback out there. And I don't think uh, him be, I mean, he's not Matt Stafford in terms of the ability and the, you know, the tools and everything. Uh, but you put him out there and he can conduct an offense pretty well. If the pieces are around him and seems like the lions have the pieces around them. And this is an offense that's without one of their most dynamic uh, playmakers as well with Jamison Williams. Um uh, We'll see what happens when he comes back, but I mean, he is a big play threat without a doubt. So, um, really good team. David Montgomery's comeback performance with the hat trick touchdowns. Still working in Jameer Gibbs. I mean, that, I'm really fascinated to see where this Lions team go. I know we weren't alone on this this offseason, Scott, but you and I kept talking. I mean, this Lions team, this Lions team, NFC North. I'm taking, I'm taking the Lions. Uh, so, a lot of fun. Uh, good team. Fun to see that for them. Also, shout out to the Lions fans. Uh, I don't know if you saw them panning the stadium last night, but there was a lot of Honolulu blue in the stands out there in Green Bay. So uh, they've had a long, painful road, but they look like they're about to set up for a pretty good run here.
1: Yeah, I I posted a video on... uh, If you're watching this on my my Facebook page, Scott Kennedy Sports, there's a new video on Dan Campbell talking about the win and the historic value of winning in in Lambeau, in Arrowhead. And I, I put a comment underneath. I'm like... Anybody other than a, a direct rival, an NFC North team, if you're not the Packers, uh, if you're not the Vikings, if you're not the Bears, is anybody really rooting against the Lions? Do you turn on the Lions and say, oh, man, I hate those guys? It's like, no, they, they've they never. If you're a fan of another team, the Lions probably have not caused you any pain in your life. Um, I think Barry Sanders and the Lions beat the Falcons in a playoff game way back when. Okay, big deal. That one doesn't even register on the pain that Atlanta Falcons fans have endured. You you want to see these guys, and you root for a blue-collar guy like Dan Campbell who's out there in old school. So I'm happy for the Detroit Lions. I'm happy for their fans. I enjoy watching them play right now. And I was and I very like, happy to see Brian Branch back on the field. I thought he blew an yes. Achilles.
2: Yeah, that's... I mean, I don't know if I'd have put him back on the field in that game. You <laughs> can talk about that too, but it does seem like he is going to be... Okay. And uh, also, did want to shout out, I think there's been some discussion uh, for the just the Broncos in general. And, you know, what what does a rebuild and a teardown look like? Well, the Lions have totally tore it down to the studs. And here we are three years later. And uh, they are, they've really done a good job. Now, granted, they have hit on their draft classes. I mean, they really have hit on their draft classes. I mean, 2021 was that start of that turnaround. Penny Sewell. Levi Awuzarike, uh, Aline McNeil, uh, Melafonwu, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Derek Barnes, all guys who are playing great football right now. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, Jameson Williams, Josh Pascal, a guy that you, if you remember, I loved a lot. Uh, you got Malcolm Rodriguez, who's been playing great football. James Houston's been great for them. And then this last draft, I mean, Gibbs, Campbell, Laporta, Branch, we'll see what happens with Hooker, but uh, talk about turning it around. It can be done, and uh, the, the Lions had a lot of premium assets and uh they've done a pretty good job and they also have not spent a lot of stupid contracts they've bought guys who are kind of under the radar you know mid-tier free agents and they're not killing them if anything they're playing well above their uh their contracts so shout out the lions man good team sure. building
1: it goes back to the numbers and building a team would you rather have three guys worth six million dollars on your defense or one guy worth 18 well it depends on where he is yeah <laughs> um you know but again you can you can get a lot better allocating your money rather instead of tying it up to you know spreading the wealth so to speak amongst a bunch of good talented players we saw the the Patriots do that for years um you know where they'd have and and they were they also got good enough where people would come in for a discount for one year to come in and play um want to say hello to some folks that have come in also Rusty Moore has come in so Jake Matthews they restructured the contract which was a good idea because he had the highest cap hit in the NFL on the offensive line they freed up about $7 million. And Rusty says, what is the thoughts behind freeing up 7 million? Are we thinking Kirk Cousins or, D- or Daniel Hunter? Um, I don't, I don't see a big move coming like that this year. If, if nothing else happens, you roll that over and you start shopping for a big ticket free agent edge, if they're available. Um, for next season but you know if you've got the chance to and while jake matthews is still playing at a high level you can add another year and free up some space it's when he starts to decline and that big number is on there and you don't want him playing right now you want jake matthews in the lineup and he's actually lowering his cap number by extending it that's a good thing when you run into trouble. Is the Matt Ryan situation where you've got fifty million dollars in cap hit, and you restructure, and you just push it down so that it's fifty-five the next year? But hey, we freed up five this year. Um, until it's where it becomes prohibitive. You saw with Julio Jones; he's got this big number, this big dead cap number. You can't move on from him. So the new deal basically makes sure it ties the Falcons to Jake Matthews through next year, twenty twenty-four, for sure, with a twenty-two million dollar cap hit and a 34-and-change dead cap, and then you've got a little more flexibility in 2025 with a 22 number against 12, which is fine. I think you're pretty safe thinking Jake Matthews can play at a decent level next year, but I don't know. I'm not really anticipating a big move for the Falcons to start to, to burn through that cap money right away, Nick.
2: I will see where they go, all right? I mean, you still have time. You It's, what is it, week eight for the trade deadline, and this team, I don't think you can trade really for a quarterback that would make, since this season that would be an offseason move just given the complication and the song and dance that is the pass game uh but a pass rusher i mean we've seen pass rushers traded at the deadline the last few seasons and daniel hunter if he is available i mean he is maybe one of the more underrated edge rushers in the nfl over the last five six years uh he's been his number i mean you look at the numbers you're like oh my god he had that many sacks um so daniel hunter would be interesting if the vikings continue to fall off I also saw a comment in here from Joe Cannon asking about Chase Young. Uh, If I were the Falcons and you're sitting there at, you know, five and two uh, close to the deadline and you could bring in a true uh, number one edge, uh, I think I would consider it uh, because you want to maximize that uh, Ritter contract and maybe Ritter doesn't end up the guy. But you're not just adding, you know, Daniel Hunter and Chase Young for this year. You're adding them for, you know, the core of this team going forward the next three, four.
1: And I guess Hunter being a free agent next year would be a sign and trade almost where you're, you take on his, but his, his contract isn't that bad this year. He's only got a $10 million base salary. I remember his agent got clowned uh, when he signed his contract.
2: Everybody's like, how did this guy sign this? So yeah, the, uh,
1: the Falcons the Falcons could afford that right now. So the $7 million, again, if you if you push it into next year or you front load it some this year, you re-sign him, you restructure his contract with somebody like that. That might make sense. He turns 29 in a couple of weeks. So he'd play through 30 this year. If it's, say you were to get him this year, 29, he'll be 30. And then 31, 32, you've signed him to a two-year extension, maybe. I think that you know that's the piece the Falcons are really missing on 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 defense right now. And I won't say really missing; their defense is pretty darn good. But you know that that outside edge. You know, Arnold Abaketti. They used a second round pick on him. He got like eleven snaps last week. They're basically playing a front four right now, and Bud is taking up that other defensive end spot. Um, let's move on a little bit. Let's say a couple more hellos. Um, it says, great morning, Scott Nick. Good morning to you, Joe. Uh, appreciate you being here. And, and Lance comes in. He says that Lions CL was credited for forcing twenty-seven pressures against Green Bay. Two of the top three were former uh, Falcon John Kaminsky. Yeah, not Aiden Hutchinson, <laughs> Charles Hallis, Um Harris. Charles Harris. But Aiden Hutchinson, I think, has eight like the last. He, that's what he's averaging, you know, per per game right now. So that's that's pretty uh, that's pretty impressive. Uh, talk about Chase Young. Why is Chase Young underachieved to the extent that he has, Nick? What's the what's the problem with him? What I know the pedigree there. He looks good. He looks like a million dollars. But right now, to me, he reminds me of Randy Gregory without the baggage. Where all this potential, but none of the production.
2: I don't know. He was kicking the crap out of the Broncos uh, when they played. So he was pretty darn good in that one. I think the ACL really did kind of set him back some. Uh, so, I can't speak to anything. I haven't heard uh, anything as far as, you know, character uh, with him, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, I mean, and that's why I mean, without the baggage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they've been shopping him and stuff, uh, you know, you have to at least consider is there something going on there? But, uh, and that's just, you know, pure speculation on my end but uh, the injury they didn't
1: pick up his option if i'm not mistaken yeah.
2: nope they did not yeah so that's i mean it's it is huge guaranteed money for that option but he's an edge rusher who's extremely talented
1: right. so uh,
2: that's I, I don't know i would have to say it's probably the injuries i mean he pretty much lost two seasons because of that uh and you now that sometimes it's like that so uh, i'm not sure uh what's up with that but yeah he is a uh, I still think he's a talented guy, and if you could add him to the mix here in Atlanta, you uh, you should at least consider that, in my opinion, assuming medicals and everything uh, checks off. And that's the other thing with Daniel Hunter. Uh, he's had some, some injuries as well that make him a little bit uh, scary, but, man, when he's on the field,
1: he is damn good. Uh, Keith wants to know, what's your evaluation on Jordan Love so far through four games I guess he's played now?
2: He's made some unbelievable plays, but he has been erratic in the in the layups. He needs to start hitting the layups uh, much more often, but the arm talent, the ability to create, uh, there are flashes there without a doubt. Uh, so, wanted to see that uh, from them. Also, I don't think this Packers offensive infrastructure around him is super talented uh, right now. I mean, we both like Christian Watson, but I don't know if he's like a true number one kind of guy out there. The offensive line has had a lot of injuries, um, so... That's a team. That I think, you know, you Packers fans should be excited about Jordan Love, uh but you want to see him progress because he definitely needs to uh, start hitting the hitting the layups more consistently.
1: Yeah, I like Christian Watson next to Devontae Adams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like him as a really good number 2. You know, mm-hmm. I grew up with the 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 49ers and the the Cowboys dynasties. I like him John Taylor. I like him Alvin Harper. Uh, When we're talking about uh, Christian Watson, not Jerry Rice or Michael Irvin. Those are, those are different dudes, but you know, if you had to focus on one guy, the other guy was going to kill you. And, and that, that's, that's kind of how I feel like Christian Watson. And that's a really good second round pick wide receiver that they got there. I thought they got good value there. Uh, Jordan love just from seat of the pants analytics. When he drops back to pass, I think he's doing damage. I, I think he's, he's, going to when he gets time and he gets a clean pocket i feel like he is going to make the other team pay so just as untechnical as i can possibly make it that makes me think he's a dangerous quarterback he's he's a good quarterback when i know there's guys that drop back i'm like listen i'm not worried about this um and, and towards the end of the falcons game they had such a rap on that team that you, you felt like that a little bit you know they they the, the falcons defense was playing so good but when i see jordan love and i see him drop back to pass I think when he's got time, I feel like he's going to do some damage. And that's that's about the, the easiest way I can say I like him.
2: Yeah, um, you, it looks like he's looking to hunt, right? And That's something that uh, you want to look fine from those quarterbacks. But, I mean, I've been excited about some of their, you know, complimentary pieces there in Green Bay. You know, Jaden Reed has been a good pick for them. Christian Watson has been good, like Tucker Craft. Oh, Luke Musgrave as well. I mean, they've they've invested some, but it's a young. I mean, that's three rookies. <laughs> right there in mm-hmm. some of their top players. Romeo Dobbs has been great for them too. He might have been a seventh round pick out of Nevada yeah, if you remember he's, him. He's not, he's a second year guy, isn't he? Yeah, from Nevada. I remember watching him with uh oh my god, who is the Nevada quarterback that people love that didn't even get drafted?
1: Carson Strong.
2: Carson Strong. Yes. Yeah, Romeo yeah. was a uh he was a senior bowl guy. Both those guys yeah. were at the senior bowl. Yeah, absolutely. So uh I think we'll see what happens with Love long term. Uh just needs to be more consistent and hopefully that'll happen with him being more comfortable. Um, or maybe not. Hopefully,
1: I don't know. I feel bad for my bears fans, friends that I have that are really tired of the Packers. Chris Chris Walker Walker says, good morning guys. I've tried to explain to fellow fans that Detroit is a good team and getting better. One loss isn't going to end the season. It's nice to see them finally start their act together after all these years. And, And again, there's some camaraderie between Detroit lions and Atlanta Falcons fans. We get it. It's one of the few teams that haven't won a super bowl. Uh, I know their fans have suffered longer than Falcons fans have. I would agree with that. Um, maybe their their lows haven't been quite as low but their highs haven't been quite as high either and they haven't experienced that you know the the matt ryan run was kind of the golden age of atlanta falcons with several playoff appearances a couple uh nfc championships uh appearances etc etc um and on that note i wanted to follow up with what rusty says um you know with the falcons here he says obviously i want them to win but i'm i'm not sure a loss to jacksonville on sunday is the end of the world uh it just cannot look like it did against detroit no i mean I had the Falcons going 10 and seven this year, and I had them two and two after four. I had them two and oh, two and one, two and two. So, no, a loss to the Jaguars, unless the Jaguars play like they did last week and you lose to them because they look terrible last week. There were all kinds of just undisciplined mistakes, drop balls, offsides, turnovers, special teams. They look bad. If you lose to that team, then you got a problem. But Jacksonville's better than that. I, I believe that, Nick
2: self-inflicted wounds mm-hmm. against Houston. They're a much better team than they showed, and I'd expect them to bounce back in their home away from home. Uh, but, yeah, 2-2 two and two is not the end of the world for the Falcons because we've talked about it. I mean, we went through the schedule. We're like, what are the toughest games on the schedule? It could be back-to-back Lions and Jags. I mean, it really sets up to be not that tough, and that Lions game looks even tougher uh, in hindsight. They're com- who did they even lose to? I can't even remember who they the lost Seahawks to.
1: late, and their fans yes. were pissed. Like, yeah. they, they kind of blew that game.
2: Yep. And the, and I think the players are pissed, too. <laughs> so they've looked like they've been on a tear uh, the last two weeks. So I wouldn't be uh, too upset about that. I mean, what are the expectations of the Falcons this year? You're hoping NFC South contender in playoffs, not Super Bowl contender. You might have gone up against, you know, an, a true NFC contender in that Lions team. So we'll find yeah, out I a said the
1: lines uh, on the on the timeline. The, the Lions are a year ahead of the Falcons.
2: Yes. Agreed. I mean, just watching that Lions game, you see the difference in the uh, drop back pass game competency, which is probably the biggest takeaway in that one. Uh, But uh, yeah, no, the back to the Jags It'll be a fun game uh, without a doubt. I don't think it's the end of the world if you uh, do lose this one, but this is one where the Jags, they are going to try to, they're going to watch the tape and they're going to do what they've been doing, which is allocating resources to stop the run and making you beat them through the air. So uh, you need your playmakers to step up and you need Ritter to take a step forward. And can he do that?
1: I guess we're going to find out this. This is where I don't mind put pits and London wide single coverage. You know, they'll play one safety, pick one, whoever single covered, lob it to them three times, <laughs> you know, just yeah. just go at them three times and see if they can stop you three times in a row, single coverage against one of those guys. If they're going to put nine men to, to, stop the run, which they probably are going to do early. They yeah. probably are going to do that early. Um, the big game this week, Though, on paper at least, there's some pretty good games. You know, we talk about the, the Falcons schedule. Well, shoot, the Buccaneers and the Saints are both two and one right now, too. They're, and the winner is going to come out of that three and one. The NFC South doesn't look all that bad early on right now, not as, you know, the dumpster fire they were talking about. But I, for me, for most people, the the, the premier game this week is going to be the Buffalo Bills, the Miami Dolphins, arguably the two of the top three contenders in the AFC.
2: Yeah, I mean, the Bills defense is starting to get it together. I think Jordan Poyer will be out this week, which will be a big blow uh, for that Detroit team. But my God, Miami is on pace to shatter uh, all-time records in uh, offensive performance, offensive metrics. Uh, Mike McDaniel is doing incredible things uh, right now with that Miami team, too, is playing good football. And that was without Jalen Waddell, who just passed concussion protocol, who should be back this week. Uh, so, yeah, this is uh, it's going to be an incredible game. I the only I think the Miami I don't know what the spread is on this one but just having seen what Miami looks like I'd probably take Miami even if they're on the road unless we see Josh Allen go nuclear uh, I think is the phrase that I'd use on that one and that he can do I usually that usually say God mode for him God mode yeah that works too <laughs> um, yeah I mean just <laughs> unbelievable I don't know if you have, Scott I sometimes I I haven't in a while but uh, referencing Pokemon but you ever heard of the show Dragon Ball Z Nope. OK, it's like an anime that was like really, really popular uh, in the 2000s, 90s. Uh, but, you know, there's a guy named Goku and he goes like Super Saiyan and there's levels of this like Super Saiyan that he goes. And Josh Allen, sometimes he can go the Super Saiyan level and just unbelievable football. Sometimes it creates damage to his own team when he tries to go
1: there. But uh, that I think that's the only way that you see this Bills team beat yeah, this uh, Dolphins team. He's old enough to not be playing so cocky. You know, it's, it's, it's very similar to, and I don't know how much you got to watch him in his prime, but it's very similar to Brett Favre and to a certain extent, John Elway Mm -hmm. at the time too. These guys have are so physically gifted that they think they can do things that they really shouldn't at this level, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. 102 mile an hour fastball is going to get into that window. I can throw it 105. I'll throw that. Yeah. Well, if you miss it by this much or this much on either end, it's going to be, you know, it's a bad throw. So you know, he's 27 or 28 years old right now, and I cannot be the only one that thinks he looks exactly like Chris, Pat, Chris Pratt with his helmet on. That had to have been said by someone somewhere. When I see that, like, yes, yeah, Scott, they've been making that comparison for 10 years. I'm like, okay, well, I don't pay attention to what everybody else says. When I see him with his helmet on. I'm like, good Lord. That's uh, that's the Star-Lord there. That's Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, but he he's, he's getting to be too old. I won't say mature because he's still playing immature. Nick, that he's getting to be too experienced to be making some of these, some of these, I will say, boneheaded plays. I'm sure I'm not the only one to say that either. Yeah, I wonder how much of it
2: is just baked into his nature. You know, he's got some, a little bit of, you know, I'm going to try stuff in him. And that's how you get some of that amazing plays, but that's how you get some of the lows too, makes him volatile. And I also do wonder how much of it is just baked into his DNA from his time at Wyoming, where like he had to go out there. And do stuff and try stuff if they're going to have any chance in hell, uh, because of the talent discrepancy that they had. But you're right; it's this year in the NFL. I Feel like with Brian Dable there, it was starting to be, you know, taken out a tad. But he's reverted to some of those tendencies out there. So early on in the season, um, I think maybe you know that Jets game a little bit too amped. Uh, I think he's been better since then. And also, I think it's this team looks a little bit more. They have a little bit more diversity on their offense and what they can do out there. I mean, they went out and invested in um, the offensive line. Osiris Torrance has looked really good for them. In the offensive line. Uh, they can go a few different ways. The run game. You got your Latavius Murray sledgehammer followed by your James cook, you know, scat kind of back out there. And then uh, Dalton Kincaid, Dawson Knox. So I still believe, you know, Josh Allen will be fine. That jets game was terrible. That was a very wild <laughs> week one game with everything going on there, but uh, he does need to trust his offense. And I, uh, I think that'll uh, improve greatly as the season goes along.
1: You you described to me th- the one that I always refer to as the dumbest smart guy I ever scouted was uh, was Jay Cutler. You know, I used to try and give him the benefit of the doubt of okay, he plays like this because he played at Vanderbilt and he was so much better than everybody else that he just got in the habit of trying to force plays. But you know what? After seven eight years in the NFL, you're just kind of a dumbass. You know that that needs to that needs to stop. And and he's like I said, he's ma- experienced enough that that needs to come out of his game. You don't want to take the creativity and stuff out of his game completely, but just the reckless plays. you know, the one turnover turns into four turnovers, that type of stuff where, you know, he overcompensates. Um, And you don't want to take it away from him either completely. Like you're talking about. Yeah. I just said that you don't want to, you don't want to take that away. You just need to limit the, again, one play turning into three bad plays.
2: Yeah. And you also need to know when is the time to do it? You know, you are up in the third quarter against uh, Zach Wilson led jets team. Let's put on the training wheels and just, we're going to low gear on the way home. You don't, the only way you lose this game is if you lose it. Right? So that's something where it's like, you got to know your situation. You got to know when to push that button. There are times when you, you, you're going to have to push, uh, the envelope and you might make a mistake out there. That's, that's football. Uh, If you're going to, you know, you don't get big plays without trying to make big plays, but you got to know the situation and the timing. And you got to be more calculated when you go to that mode.
1: So, ESPN GameCast has a 51% matchup predictor in favor of the Miami dolphins, but the official line is two and a half in favor of the Buffalo bills. Who do you like in this game? I'm probably going to take the dolphins uh, just because I think they,
2: I don't know who has the answers to beating the dolphins right now, uh, other than maybe the Patriots in terms of a defense, even though the Patriots already lost them. I think, I mean, what they give up only like 24 points or something to them. Uh, So the, uh, I don't know if the, Bills are going to be good enough up front. I will say you're not going to see them get destroyed on a, you know, crack block three times in a row to the outside. Like we saw Randy Gregory do, and then get pulled from the game. Uh, The, the bills have a, they don't have any superstars on that defensive line with Von Miller out. And that's another big factor in this one, Von Miller being out, but they do have like crazy lines out there uh, as far as the depth of their defensive line. I mean, it's almost like, I can't recall who said it, but it stuck with me. Hockey waves um, out there with the uh, bills defensive line. So, They'll get a chance. It's going to be a good game. I'm probably still going to take the dolphins right now until things get a little bit more mucky out there. You know, it's a, it's an arena football league early in the year, right?
1: So a lot of fast paced games. And I think that favors the dolphins this week. Um, Chris, the game is in Buffalo and um, Winston says the, the dolphins are going to blow the bills out of the water on Sunday. I'm I'm going with the bills on this one. And I'm going to mm-hmm. use a couple of references one of my references is they're both baseball references. You ever see a 16 to one game? The next game, the team gets shut out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it could happen. There's balance in this league. The, the gods of football will balance things out. So I'm I'm gonna say, and besides that, the Buffalo Bills are freaking good. They're at home, they're really good, they've gotten back on track. They went down to the commanders and said, Okay, enough screwing around. Let's let's go win this game. Eric says, "As good as Buffalo is, I don't see them reaching the Super Bowl with Allen. I could be wrong. I always said that about, again, baseball with with Manny Ramirez when I was watching him play with the Indians. I'm like, this guy is a moron. I'm like, you cannot win games because he's going to cost you games doing something stupid. Now, that's really hard to do in a nine man baseball team, which is an individual game. Unless you're, you know, the pitcher does something stupid or the catcher, someone who's involved in every play. But Josh Allen might be that guy, Eric." He, he might be. He might be that guy that he just he can't get it together focused enough that that mentality in order to take his team to the Super Bowl and win it. It's possible. We'll see. I think he's gonna get seven or eight chances, you know over the next three quarters of a decade um, to do it. so that should be very interesting. Michael and Kios says, good morning, Scott Nick on coast to coast. Thank you for being here. Appreciate you being here, my friend. And uh, Clarence White, he's pretty fired up. Lions are coming, you better pay attention. You will win at 16 and one. Well, let's see that. 16 and one would be a pretty, pretty, pretty good. Uh, got Panthers at Buccaneers, at Ravens, Raiders, Chargers, Bears, Packers, at Saints, at Bears, Broncos, at Vikings, at Cowboys, Vikings. They may be favored in 14 of those games. Maybe I'll not. There's too many, there's not that many left. There's Thirteen, The 17-game season's killing me. 13 games. They may be favored in 12 out of 13 games. 16-1. I could see a scenario like the 1998 Atlanta Falcons where they went 14-2 and two and surprised everybody. I could see yeah. that. They don't have the 49ers on the roster. They don't have the Eagles on the, on the docket. They've already played at Kansas City in one. They've already played at Green Bay in one. We'll see. Call in your shot. I could see a 14-3 and three out of this team. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, let's move on as we we just spent some time on, uh, on one, that game. The first game, well, I would say the next game up, is the Falcons and Jaguars. Both teams coming off of losses. Both teams have playoff aspirations. I think Jacksonville is going to be much more desperate in this game. But the two losses should have everybody nice and focused. If both teams play like they're playing right now, Atlanta wins this game. The Jacksonville Jaguars are not playing very well. Mm-hmm. They're better than this. Can they step up in their home away from home uh, in London? I think this one's in Wembley, not Spurs Stadium. Um, and, and win this game.
2: Yeah, I, the Jacks can win this game. I mean, they have the much, much better quarterback out there. And uh, there's a few things in this last game that were very fluky. I mean, Calvin Ridley messes up and drops Buffalo's a easy touchdown. Uh, the special teams gaffes out there, uh, the penalties. I mean, this is a they left a lot of points and opportunities on the board. And they I would I mean, while the Texans are playing much better than we thought early on, uh, they're still a pretty good uh, overall. Te- uh, the Jags are still a good overall team. So I expect them to come out and play a much better game than we saw last week. Uh, they're not going to give away the game probably. Like we saw, I mean, this is a
1: overall a well-coached team. You don't see that typically back-to-back weeks. So Clarence, appreciate you being here. You're on Atlanta Falcons fans. Um, support your team. We don't care. Like, you know, nobody's here to trash talk. You know, especially going into an Atlanta Falcons chat. There, there's not any trash talk going on. And, you know, reminds me of, I was talking with my one of my good friends yesterday. We both hate the Cubs for the same reason. Oh, the lovable okay. Cubs. We came down and watched uh, the Cubs made the playoffs for the first time in like 672 years, and they came down and won a game in Atlanta. And my God, they acted like the most obnoxious New York Mets slash Yankees fans you would ever see. It's like, guys, you're the Cubs. You, you you're the Cubs. Act like you have at least thinking about like you'd want to come back. So, yes, Scott, I'm very impressed with-, with the Detroit Lions, but hey. Be a hospitable guest be a hospitable host that's what we try and be here
2: yeah I I agree with you there that said lines have been terrible forever just you know take it back we're not here to you know talk, tra- talk trash but enjoy your moment uh, well, hopefully
1: uh, we'll hopefully the have...
2: Thursday night game is not your moment though yeah. <laughs> so
1: 14 and, 14 and 3 15 and it's possible this is a hell yeah. of a team and Scott hell I don't know if've ever I don't know if I've ever agreed with you more
2: Absolutely hate the Cubs, so uh, we can move forward. Um uh, Growing up in the Midwest as a St. Louis Cardinals fan, God, I hate the Cubs. Um, But, uh yeah, uh I think the – I'm going to stick with my guns on this one. We picked the Jags to win that early in the season. I think this is not going to be the worst thing in the world for the Falcons, but I think the Jags are going to come away with a win in a very close game, and we're going to have even more questions about uh is Desmond Ritter the guy or not going forward. And maybe even some groundswell for – uh heineke i just i i don't know ritter is playing pretty robotic and i don't know if it gets better in this weird situation
1: going over in london you watch other quarterbacks get rid of the ball when they're under pressure and you see where the biggest problem that desmond is having right now it's like pressure sack pressure bad throw pressure there's no you put pressure on this guy and it's over that's that's a so far that's a Bad combination. Almost as bad as giving a guy time who can't make a throw like Zach Wilson. That's even worse. Next worse is not being able to do anything under pressure. Um, you know, getting fast and getting out in rollouts and operating, you know, with with in rhythm, every perfect quarterback in the NFL should be able to do that yeah. um, at this level. Another interesting game for me, Nick, Ravens Browns, two and one. <laughs> Upset loss in overtime, the Ravens at home. Now going on the road to Cleveland, place they've had a lot of success. And 2-1, and 2-1. and one. What do you think about this game? ESPN GameCast has 53% chance to the Ravens. However, the money says the Browns are a three-point favorite.
2: The Browns' defense is playing unbelievable so far this season. And the probably the move of the offseason so far, as far as coaching goes, is... Stefanski bringing in Jim Schwartz, who is doing unbelievable things for that Browns defense. Uh, While Micah Parsons gets a lot of hype and credit because Cowboys and he is that good. Miles Garrett has been the best defensive player in football so far this season. I mean, they're utilizing him and we've seen it from some teams that the Browns have really started to do it where uh, he is being used as a pass rush weapon in different situations. And Schwartz has been doing an awesome job of isolating him over the center, uh, where he can, you know, pick an a gap, pick a B gap. And when you have, you know, good, you win on first and second downs, you can unlock those opportunities. You can do that. And they're isolating, you know, miles Garrett against a center and that's a matchup that Garrett's going to win most of the time in one-on-one situations. So God, God, uh, God help, uh, the centers. I know Tyler Linderbaum is dinged up as well for the Ravens. So that could be an interesting matchup, but I think the Browns, Defense is the most dominant defense in football. I mean, stats say that as well. So far, they've been... statement. I mean, the stats, they've been unbelievable, Scott. Get, them, get, the, get that dog pound. I love it. Yeah, they've been good. So I think I might go with the Browns in this one. I also think it's a weird thing. I'm still watching the offense, but it's pretty obvious to me that Nick Chubb is better with a under center rushing game, but Deshaun Watson's better in talking, a, Yeah, we're not talking Nick Chubb anymore, though. I, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, It was a weird kind of marriage, uh, that they are trying to make on offense. Now that Nick Chubb is out, I think they're going to embrace the shotgun stuff. And Watson just is much more comfortable in that. Uh, he looks night and day difference under center versus shotgun. Uh, so I think I'm going to take the Browns in this one. Ravens are a good team still, but that Browns defense is unbelievable. And I don't know if there's a single player in the NFL that is
1: more singularly dominant than what miles Garrett has been through three weeks. Uh, you might have convinced me because normally it's hard for me. Again, I was I was was a I was born in Cleveland, a suburb uh, called Akron, uh, which is real close to Cleveland. I was born in Akron, moved down to Georgia when I was five. So a lot of family, always followed the Browns. So as a, a Cleveland-born Atlanta sports fan, it's hard to find anybody more cynical than this guy. Uh, that's a lot of pain. That's a lot of pain through the years. So it's, it's hard for me to ever pick the Browns against anybody, let alone the Ravens or the Steelers, who have been their tormentors forever. But I think you may have convinced me on this one. Um, You know, coming in, I want to say the Ravens. I just, I've got a bias towards the Ravens and Steelers because they're just, they just win. Mm -hmm. They just always seem to win, but they're, it can't go that way. You know, last week we said, Steelers, Raiders, what's the difference? Come on, Tomlin against McDaniels. I don't, that's all I need to know. I'll take Mm -hmm. the Steelers in this one. Oh, Scott, half their lines out. I don't, I don't care. The Steelers win. That's what they do. Yeah. But I mean,
2: they've been unbelievable. They have far and away the number one pass defense in the NFL uh, so far. And I think they have the number two uh, rush defense. I mean, they've just been the Browns. Browns, Yes. Typically you kind of give up one area for the other and they've just been getting
1: after it. So uh, this is a really good team. You may have talked me into this one. It's hard for me to pick the Browns in anything. I mean, I I've lived through it. So, but you you may have talked me into this one. Um, NFC South matchup actually has some, a chance to go three and one the surprising Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New Orleans Saints coming off of an embarrassing loss to the Green Bay Packers who are solid but they're not one of the NFC's elite they're one of those we're going to hang around 500 and try and eke into the playoff teams that they they blew that lead to but again part of that was with you know losing your quarterback out there Mm -hmm. um so and, and I don't think anybody would have had this Buccaneers fans three and one after four games. No, I Derek Carr is going to be out, right? He's not participated in anything so far these weeks yeah, uh, because think, of I, it. I'm pretty sure you're right on that. I'll double check, but you know, why, why can the Bucks move against the saints? Really good defense. Uh,
2: because they still have playmakers out there. And I think their offensive line has been better than we would anticipated. Uh, they might have the best right tackle in football in uh, Tristan Wirfs. And overall, at Baker Mayfield, he's another one that he's hunting. He's going to make some mistakes out there, but he's showing why he's a competent NFL quarterback. Uh, we see the flashes of that. I think he can be fine. He's nobody that he's going to be a journeyman type. That's going to get starts throughout the league. He'll probably end up with, you know, seven teams uh,
1: where, where he started games when it's all said and done. He's, so it's th- greedy. You know, he's greedy. He's never been in a situation. I think like a Josh Allen where your team is better than everybody else's. Every time you play, Mm -hmm. you know, except when he was in college, that doesn't count. Oh Yeah. that was (laughs) Yeah. In the NFL where, you know, you, you're going to, we're going to walk out there and I just have to not lose the game. So I understand it a little bit more from Baker Mayfield than Josh Allen with the reckless play to a certain extent, but the winner of this one's going to come out three and one, um, ESPN GameCast says uh, Saints fifty five percent, and they've got a three and a half point favorites. And this one's in New Orleans. I like the Saints to bounce back against this one, Nick. I, I like the Saints here.
2: I think it's very much a coin flip game if it is Jameis Winston out there because he can make some w. I mean, we've seen it right. What was the year he had like twenty interceptions or thirty it was interceptions
1: like or almost something. forty? I mean, that's un. <laughs> he, threw like, he threw for like 35 and 35 or something. Yeah. I mean, insane. Yeah. So
2: that's, uh, if it's Jameis Winston out there, crazy things can happen. Uh, the best unit on the field, though, will be that Saints uh, defense, even though they kind of, you know, fell apart late last week against the Packers. Uh, they're still really good. I mean, they might have the best cornerback duo in football. Uh, so this is one. This is a coin flip. One I would stay away from it. I don't have a good feel on it either way. If it was Derek Carr, I'd feel you know Saints right at home. Uh, but uh, this is one that uh, could go either way. I guess I'll go with the Saints uh, just because it is Saints at home. Uh, but I I don't trust it. And also another guy talking about playing really underrated. Uh, Buccaneers used a first round pick on Klijah Kansas. He's not been great in what I've watched. But Vita Vea, my God, man, what a monster uh he is out there he is getting after the passer he's eating up blocks uh
1: he's playing great football right now so shout out to the big guy vita vea chris walker i believe uh came in and asked earlier about the chargers i think it was chris someone did want to make you get to that one yeah it was chris so do the chargers bounce back or is it starting to turn into a dumpster fire they're uh that, that game the chargers are playing who are they playing this week why can't I find that Raiders. Raiders? Oh, good Lord. Speaking of dumpster fires. Yeah. Raiders right. at chargers. I think the Raiders bounce back this week and they got a dub. So two you think and the two Raiders bounce back? Are you think the, better. You think the chargers bounce back? I think the chargers bounce back and beat the Raiders. Okay. You, you said Raiders. So, yeah. um, no, I, I don't, I'm not picking Josh McDaniel against anybody other than like the Chicago bears or Denver Broncos right now.
2: Yeah. I,
1: Sorry. He's won three uh, he in a row against them. Come on.
2: Yeah. He, I don't know if you saw what it's going on with Chandler Jones, too. All I mean, just chaos out there, alleging that Josh McDaniels had Aaron Hernandez, you know, killed, I guess, on Twitter, live Twitter, whatever it is. Chaos uh, out there for the Raiders. But Chargers are kind of a dumpster fire, and Granite Staley's probably got the highest odds to be the first coach fired. Uh, that defense has been not good enough for a defensive-minded coach, and Justin Herbert is simply too good uh, to be a team that's one and two right now with questions. I mean, he is playing as well as anybody at quarterback uh, right now. I mean, he's dissecting it. He's uh, I think I saw last week, the Vikings blitzed the highest rate ever, like an NFL game. It was like 80%. And he only took like one. It was either like one sack or one hit uh, out there. So he, and the uh, just out there dicing it up. Um, Mike Williams is out for the year though now. So we'll see what that looks like. This is Quentin Johnson time. uh, Johnston Johnson, Johnson time for them uh but uh, yeah it's a little bit of a, a dumpster fire out there in terms of the competency of that team but i mean they got Justin Herbert they're going to have a chance in any game
1: yeah and again and 2 and 2 all of a sudden starts looking a lot better you know you're you're we're even after fourth first quarter of the season we f- we're feeling pretty good about things just a couple more games i want to get into real quick commanders and the eagles the commanders started 2 and 0 i said i was not a believer of and they got waxed pretty good by buffalo kind of expect the same thing with the eagles um you know again I'm, I'm i'm pleased for commanders fans because they've got some ownership and now they have a chance to get out of the muck that they've been stuck in for the last feels how long has it been 20 years time flies man you we know, had some good years with mike shanahan out there and you know they had the staff oh, I, mean, of- I grew up with joe gibbs man you know they won yeah. three three super bowls with with three different quarterbacks that was the washington team i grew up with but it's been maybe a flash of a season here and there under Snyder, but I don't expect them. I expect them to get beat by double digits again in Philly. Yeah. Philly is a nine and a half point favorite. Uh Eagles should
2: lean on them on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Uh, Eagles offensive line versus Detroit, uh, Washington's defensive line will be a heck of a matchup. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, but the Eagles at home, I think they're going to take care of business uh, and win this game. Maybe it won't be the full 10 points, Scott, because that it that uh, commander's defense is pretty damn good. Uh, But it's really going to come down to just how many mistakes does Sam Howell make. Right. It could be one where if he throws three picks, they're getting beat by 20. If, you know, has some good luck uh, on those turnover worthy plays, then maybe the Eagles only win by, you know, seven. But I would expect the uh, Eagles to win.
1: Nick, you're much more of a scheme guy than I am. I'm, I'm a personnel guy, so I would be general manager and I'd hire you as my coaches and ryan asked a question he says do you think every defense that's just aligned et cetera are trying to do exactly what the cowboys do and it is a copycat league if this works let's let's try and do it we see a lot of i mean the the three five didn't exist was was rare uh 15 years ago you know everything was four three four three four three and then nickel but things have changed now a three three-man interior line is basically the norm um so you know what exactly are the the cowboys doing other than you know moving Micah Parsons around and let him go and get the quarterback and then being aggressive in with their, with their corners, um, you know, match quarters, all this stuff, schemes. I'm like Deion Sanders the other day saying, man, you're getting too technical. What, what are you trying to say?
2: I mean, I don't think teams can do exactly what the Cowboys are doing because it is, I mean, you can run schemes till the cows come home, but uh, it is about players. At the end of the way, end of the day and guys getting uh, after the quarterback. And we are, I guess you are kind of seeing what teams are matching, what the Cowboys are doing in just terms of doing everything you can to isolate your best pass rusher in a opportune matchup. And it's not just, you know, static. We have a right defensive end and he's going to rush the same spot every play. No, we're going to move him around. He's going to be a two point stance over a center from time to time. We're going to have him uh, drop back every once in a while too, because you're going to totally, uh, collapse the pocket to where he's at and Oh, he drops back. Well, now what do we do only a few times a game? You still want your best pass rusher to get after it. Uh, But uh, I think as far as what the Cowboys have done to try to maximize and isolate and play matchup with the pass rush, other teams are going to start doing that when you have that guy. I think the Raiders have tried doing that as well uh, with Max Crosby and Max Crosby is a great pass rusher, but it's not the same out there. You need like a special kind of guy out there. Miles Garrett fits that. Uh, Micah Parsons fit that, you know, like a true alien out there. So uh, teams can try to ma- uh, mimic it, but you got to have the guys to do that.
1: Those guys are harder to find than quarterbacks these days. True freaks. You know, I mean, it's yeah. it's harder to find a guy who's 250 pounds with a sub four shuttle, you know, mm-hmm. than it is finding a guy with a 95 mile an hour fastball these days. Mm-hmm. Um, Two more games I want to get to, then we're going to get out of here. Nick, we are guaranteed to have Two winless teams at the end of uh at, at the end of this week because there's I think there's only four. There might be more, but I know that four are playing each other. Yeah. One of I those mean, teams is one close. that you, you picked out right away at the beginning of the year for setup for a big fallback based on historical norms and averages was the Minnesota Vikings. They're going down in the Panthers, who will fight you. The Vikings are better than the Panthers right now, aren't they?
2: They're the best undefeated, our best winless team. Um, I expect them to regress some positively. I mean, it's crazy. They have like the number one. Kirk Cousins is on pace for six thousand yards and fifty <laughs> touchdowns and eleven interceptions this year. And uh, Justin Jefferson's leading the NFL in receiving yards. And they're zero and three. Uh, the offensive line and the defense have not been good enough. Daniel Hunter's been uh, pretty good though. Five he's sacks. Got five sacks. Five That's sacks. More than yeah. some teams. Yeah, he's been. Very good, but I expect the Vikings to win this one uh, pretty handily. It's a team that's probably their playoff hopes have slipped through starting at 0-3 with how the uh, the Lions look especially. Uh, but the Vikings are a team that I would expect, get based on what we've seen and based on the talent, the most likely to positively uh, regress or progress, whatever you want to say. Get to the mean.
1: Knowing that the Vikings are playing the Panthers and the Bears are playing the, the Broncos, it feels like a semifinal playoff for the Caleb Williams Bowl. Mm-hmm. I like Minnesota in this one. If they don't win this one, my goodness, they're worse than we really thought. Not just unlucky last year. They had some good fortune to win all those games this year. They're not just unlucky. They've, they've, they've lost the plot. Speaking Mm -hmm. of lost the plot, a couple of teams, the Denver Broncos and Chicago bears, this one, two dysfunctional teams right now, not just playing poorly right now. They're dysfunctional Mm -hmm. and, The Broncos are going to Chicago after giving up 70. I still feel like as bad as the Broncos were, I still feel like they're more at least cohesive on one side of the ball to go in and get that win against the Bears on the road.
2: Yeah, it's a uh, classic game of a stoppable force meets a movable object uh, with the worst defense in the NFL taking on the worst offense in the NFL. But the Broncos have one of the better return games in the NFL through three games, sample size, how many returns are there a game still? Uh, but uh, that's a the return game is better. And the Broncos offense is average to slightly above average. So I think the Broncos should go in there uh, win this game, I think they are embarrassed after last week's game. And I think that as long as they play disciplined football in their rush lanes, uh, then they should be able to slow down
1: uh, this bears offense enough where the Broncos offense can take care of business. Yeah, but, if um, they don't tackle any better than they did against the Miami Dolphins, Justin Fields is going to run for 200 yards and two touchdowns. That might be enough to win the game. You want to go back to the cliches, running games, stop the run, turnovers, et cetera, et cetera. But for me, this one comes down to basically who still wants to play football this year. Because I'm not sure the Bears do. I, I feel like they've already kind of mailed it in on this coaching staff right now. And I'm not sure that the Bears really want to play for this 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 guy anymore. And the Broncos, on the other hand, the defense quit last week, but that may have been a TKO. You know, they they got knocked out standing eight. It was like, Dude, just throw in the towel already. Yeah.
2: <laughs> throw in the damn towel. Say.
1: Throw in the towel. <laughs> right. I think the Broncos will show up and play and. They're a better team right now, which isn't saying much. We're talking about the two worst teams in football right now, statistically and stylistically, and the eye test. I think the Broncos have to win this one, man. They will win. And what does that 0
2: 4 mean for the Denver Broncos? It probably means uh, Vance Joseph's out. And I would expect some players benched slash outright released. And the one that really comes to mind for me for that would be Randy Gregory. Um, the getting. Cra- the- Blocked out on a crackback block three plays in a row where you're just pinning your ears back and rushing up field. And it's the same exact formation, the same direction. It's like, my God, dude, like you got to know what's coming. And you cannot get, was, I think it was river Craycraft out there. A little small, you know, diminutive, not diminutive, but you know, not a physically imposing wide receiver. And he's Orange out there. County on, kid from a private school in Southern California. Yeah. I just, you cannot do that. Um, out there. If the, and the thing that pisses me, pisses me off. Sorry to cuss on here uh about it though is that it's not like you know when nick benito sometimes gets blocked out it's like okay your body size is your body size randy gregory is a massive guy when he's getting blocked out like that it comes down to you know between the ears and what's in the the uh in the rib cage there you know the heart there so uh yeah where's your heart where's your mind uh so if the broncos lose this one i expect some heads to roll and uh we can firmly start talking what does a Caleb Williams team look like here? What does a top three draft pick look like? Right. Um, what does it have to, what do you have to do to potentially trade Wilson? What does the, the rebuild look like, but own four. I mean, it's, it is time to, yeah, I hear taps playing in the background and you better accelerate that too. Uh, because let me tell you, Scott, the difference between having a number three pick this year, top two pick versus a six overall pick is massive in terms of what you can do for a franchise. And, I'm not saying tank outright, but uh maybe tear down a little bit
1: so you uh don't have to
2: tank. To lose uh, games. On
1: the flip side of that, what's it mean for the Chicago Bears? If they're 0-4? Yeah, if they're 0-4, they're not passing up they're not passing up Caleb Williams or Drake May, oh, I wouldn't no. think. They would they would say, okay, we're not because they have it after this 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 offseason, they have to decide on the fifth year option for Justin Fields, which they may pass so this is his third year. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you do it between years three and four, if I'm not mistaken. I get right. some of the technicalities confused, you're but right. you 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 take the fifth year option before the fourth year. So you know you're you're punting on that, trying to deal him. Of uh, you're you're in a another rebuild mode, so to speak. So this is a for those of us who enjoy the draft, who enjoy team building, who enjoy free agency, this is a big game. It really is. It could be extremely entertaining from a, again, they're going to have to tear it down and build it back up. I think the Bears, I don't think the Bears are there. I think they've got some of their pieces in place, but it it means a lot for the future of Justin Fields. You know, this, this season does. I think with the Broncos, you're looking at six or seven guys that are your seven highest paid players. They're all gone next year that are yeah. all, they're all, you're making moves. Half of them could be gone by, by Halloween.
2: Pretty Pretty crazy. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see for the bears. I mean, this is a good enough quarterback class that like, regardless of having a top two pick, you could potentially see that happening. I mean, maybe also the bears are a team that, uh, let's say, I mean, I just closed Tankathon, of course, but a team that's quarterback gets hurt or something, or let's say the, the the Bengals just suck this year and they end up with the second pick, probably won't happen. But you know, maybe the Bears offer you know their pick and that Carolina pick that's going to be really high, or Carolina, you know, with uh, Bryce Young who they love, maybe they like him more than uh, Drake May, uh, and they trade out of that.
1: I guess they don't have the pick. The Bears have the pick, but then I forgot the Bears had Carolina's pick. Yeah, holy cow! So we're talking Arizona. And Chicago, holy cow, it's going to be fun. See, I, love, I love this stuff. You can talk about, I love the team building aspect of this thing. And I, I'll, I'd be thrilled Arizona right now. I'd be scared. I, again, I grew up in the 80s in Atlanta. Okay. The Falcons had one winning season in the 80s. It was 1980. I was seven years old. So between ages seven and 17, I didn't see a winning season. I became a fan of the draft and team building, and it helped shape my career. Here I am. So, yeah. you know, the Bears and the Arizona Cardinals are in pretty good spots for next season. The Broncos are are not. Are not. They got to win.
2: Yeah, but uh, things can turn around if you uh, commit to it and hit your picks, just like we've seen with the uh, the Lions here. So you yeah, going to be interesting. Jordan Brown. Oh, man, I didn't get a notification. I was looking forward to this. Well, you can listen to it after the fact. That would mean that you're not uh, part of the chat. But the good thing about these shows, uh Scott and I are consistent uh, with what times we are on. So uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we're live at uh, 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. early, 6 a.m. Uh, Pacific time. So uh, if you know, do the math there, whatever time zone you're in, but that's when we're live. You know, typically it's, you know, maybe. 602, 603, because I yeah. think and Jordan,
1: better. leave some comments in. I'll go back and check. We're the 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 channels that we're we've been podcasting on, etc. etc. have grown a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh so mm-hmm. I go back in and check a lot of them. So and I appreciate everybody, I appreciate all y'all that have come in and followed and supported everything that we've done. Uh it, it means a lot to us. And you know, and Chris says on these channels, on the Falcons channels, it's 9 a.m. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I, I usually schedule it for nine oh five, but you know, that's close enough. Um So we'll be back. On that note, we are going to get out of here. We are right at one hour exactly. Some really fun games. Last night was a, a, you know, it ended up being a pretty dominating game. But for me, that was intriguing. I, I enjoyed watching Detroit. No offense to Packers fans, but when we're talking about separation, who's going to win this? Who's got a chance at this? Detroit took a step up. Yeah, they and did. that was entertaining for me that was intriguing to me now we went over a bunch of the games buffalo bills miami dolphins game uh heavyweight fight who's really there Hell, the zero and three teams the two there's gonna be two oh and four teams at the end of the week and there's gonna be a lot of questions asked the nice. nfc south some there's gonna be a three and one team guaranteed coming out of this one there could be two of them do the jacksonville jaguars get back on track check out the afc north with a couple of clashes in there so it's gonna be a fun weekend We'll be back on Monday on these channels to talk about it. We'll hit the Falcons and Jaguars first. And then if anybody wants to talk some more football, we will. And then we'll talk Broncos on Mile High Huddle. So follow us so you can see us everywhere we want to be. Uh, and on that note, we're going to get out of here. Appreciate everybody being here. And Nick, do you have any final thoughts? Uh
2: no, no real final thoughts are uh, going to be interesting to follow this week. Uh, excited to see what happens with that. Uh, Bill's dolphins game and uh, the lions look for real. Uh, it's going to be fun to follow them this year. Uh, I do want to ask you right now. Uh, don't want to use the phrase gun to your head, but you know, if I had to put, if I pressed you on it, uh, the winner of the NFC will be who Eagles
1: Eagles. Okay. I've, I'm probably gonna go 49ers. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to stick with the Eagles. Okay. Um, I just think they have a little more depth. I like their playmakers. I like Jalen Hurts a little bit better than Purdy right now. Um, Purdy, which is, is just for me, it's just going to have to prove it. It's it's one of those. I'm I'm almost always going to go if it's if I feel pretty even. I'm going to go with who's done it before, and the home team on that one. So it, it could come down to come down to that. But it wouldn't surprise me if one of those teams got knocked off on the way to the NFC Championship game by the Detroit Lions. I, I think those those three teams are ahead of we talked about the detroit lions being in a tier below those other two teams well, i think there's now a separate tier it may be 49ers and eagles and then right behind the detroit and then everybody else i think there's three teams in nfc right now yeah um pretty
2: awesome to see the lions in that uh that discussion as well so and you can answer these uh
1: <laughs> questions about the uh G- yeah winston so what's the name of the youtube channel it's just youtube.com scott kennedy that one's, the, that one's the easy one. No play on words. My my social media handles are Scout Kennedy, but um, the YouTube one is just youtube.com slash Scott Kennedy. We're, we're pushing 4,000 strong on that, thanks to uh, to people like you. So uh, thank you so much. We are there a lot. Dom says I like the background. Uh, me too. That's actually a digital representation of the draft in Kansas City. So I don't own the rights to this. If somebody has any plane, hit me up. I'll change it. But uh, I think people like us, promoting the NFL draft as well. So on that note, we're going to get out of here. Thank you so much for joining us. Looking forward to a weekend of football, college football, NFL. We will see you Monday morning, 9 a.m. (laughs) Eastern. Thanks, y'all.